0: Hey there, I'm Anne.
1: And I'm Malia.
0: And we are the Royal Subjects. Um, big news last week. We promised big news would be coming after our last pod, and indeed it did. Sadly, uh, the, the Duke of Edinburgh passed away, and uh, this this show is going to be focusing on his funeral, uh, which occurred on Saturday, last Saturday. And it's taken us a couple of days to digest everything, so thank you for tuning in. Um we have a lot to share with you. Um, Malia, you got to watch it as well. We were just catching up about this. Um, yeah, you know, I was surprised. You know, it's one of those things where
1: I, I know we seem to keep coming back to the idea of, you know, celebrity and modern monarchy and what does it mean to, you know, think that you know someone. And Prince Philip's a really difficult one on that for me because, you um, It's hard to separate him from Tobias Menzies and Matt Smith a little bit if you watch The Crown. Um, I mean, he and Anne are probably my favorite characters in The Crown um, and, you know, who also get... Uh, who who are probably frustrating to the writers of The Crown because despite the writers' best efforts, there's just not a lot that you can, you know, the man who steadfastly, you know, by the queen's side for decades and the best you could do to dig up a scandal was something from his friend and you know hey sometimes he's just a little bit mean to his son like that's the best you got hey he had a midlife crisis and ended up being religious and helping other people like it's not a lot to work with and i really respect that so it's hard to um you know remember you know, remembering the person as opposed to remembering the fiction. But from what I understand and from what I've read, in this case, the fiction does actually follow in terms of character. A lot of what people know of Mm -hmm. Prince Philip, um, especially sort of his uh, sense of humor.
0: um, Which I appreciate more now than I ever did. I I he is a very get on with it kind of person.
1: Yes, yeah, and that sort of get on with it thing. And you know, he did he was the one who put a big focus on modernizing the monarchy, the part where he is really really attentive to the fact that his family no longer holds the throne, throne and Elizabeth needs to change in order to Change keep the British monarchy as a real live thing, you know that is apparently from reports really is true. You know he did. He's the one who talked to, who insisted she televised the coronation. Um, interesting. Then the way that his own funeral was televised as a way to, if you were going to, you know, get down to brass tacks at a moment when the British monarchy is again um, sort of groping for its future, dealing with a potential scandal or rift. Um, and again, Philip's funeral televised and watched by millions has this uh, effect of reinforcing the monarchy And again, sort of placing it in modern in a modern perspective. And I I was just saying before we started, I got a little misty. You know, maybe I got misty because I really like Matt Smith and Tobias Menzies. Maybe I got
0: misty. Or something. I don't know. Maybe I got
1: misty (laughs) because funerals make me misty. Um, I mean, I I don't want to, but that piper. I mean, the music, a lot of the little touches. It was. It was so simple. Um, But surprisingly moving for someone, you know, that when you're watching a celebrity funeral, usually they're just spectacle. It was it was kind of took me aback by how moving I found it.
0: I think that it's it's again at this complex intersection of media slash celebrity and, and tradition. And of which you might think he was old and stodgy, you know, a lot of I was reading comments, which I, you just never should. But things like that, people saying, oh, well, Diana is like, you know, locking him out of heaven or whatever. No, 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 no. He he was different when he came in. You know, he had to deal with a, a very close knit family of four. Uh, the, the King George VI, Elizabeth Queen Mother, and the imperious but fun Princess Margaret, um, and he came in there and he forfeited his role in many in his profession, um, and as a young man, and they, you know, into in to in a life of service in the tradition that most of us just don't understand. And so when he passed, all of those roles are being challenged again to make them more celebrity friendly. Or why can't we be like the European roles who are royals who are part time? And why can't we just because you can't and you're not and it's not the way it's going to be or it just doesn't happen. So I think what I what I took away from this funeral, aside from all the details that I, I deeply appreciated with the music and the. Um, it was not austere. I thought it was it was really lovely, as what it was, even though there weren't many people there because of COVID. Um, I I really appreciated that that his accomplishments were um, demonstrated through music and through words and through imagery. And you know, when we think of imagery, I'm thinking of you know his love of the outdoors, the the Land Rover that he designed. Um, And, you know, I've I've seen a couple of people, well, there are probably trillions of them who say, the Queen shouldn't have had to sit alone. COVID sucks, blah, blah, blah. The masks cover up Kate's pretty face. You know, no. You sit back and you understand the Queen's got this. (laughs)
1: She's
0: she's a grown-ass woman. She's 95 years old. She doesn't, you know, she, she was going to be stoic and she can shed a few tears in private. She did and she can do her thing, but it was her duty in a country that is just coming out of literal lockdown to follow the protocols. And it probably made it a little, it made it harder for her emotionally, but probably easier that she didn't have to um, greet hundreds of people.
1: Yeah, the it's, you know, as we introduce this thing, uh, it's worth noting that there, this funeral has been planned for many 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 years um
0: the coffin uh, was really 30 years ago
1: yeah so cool. the land Rover has been prepared for has been around for about 18 years yeah. um and maintained by the land Rover company in all that time the plans have the for this I have another note on that land Rover when we get to it but <laughs> the plans great. for this have been around for years the original plans they think it was operation fourth bridge um yes. everyone is a bridge. Uh, originally, you know, not in COVID, I think, I think it was going to be about 800 people or so at the funeral. And now it's down to 30. Uh, but it's also worth noting. Philip was involved in the plans. They were both, you know, Philip and Elizabeth were involved in the plans and Philip basically planned his funeral. Uh, that's one of the reasons why so much of it reflects it the music, were music's choices that he made, the the hearse was a choice that he made and designed um a lot of this was specifically you know well planned ahead you know everyone knew and of course then they knew again as the time came close um reportedly uh when he was in the hospital philip asked charles to basically take him home so he could die in his own bed reportedly but it's believable um so you know, none of this is a surprise. It's very sad, um, and I do think the COVID thing really is sucks. But on the other hand, it you know gave us this family funeral instead of a state funeral, um, and That's I true. think it's it's um, really.
0: They didn't need to be entertaining the like, you know, the vice president of Bhutan and making sure that they had enough tea and sandwiches and and greeting them and one by one and thanking them. It's, just, it's better right yeah. now. To, so it
1: better reflects. I think you get a lot more of Philip this way.
0: Anyway. I agree. And also that, that, you know, there was that it was just a, a level of intimacy, even though it was a, a military funeral held in a grand cathedral type place but it, it was it was very intimate the the family could be themselves you could see the grief on their face you could see the, the the how moved people were as individuals during the service but nothing was exploitative um i was careful to watch as much as i could without commentary i didn't want to watch it uh, uh with gail king and you know people from vanity fair talking i didn't want it with uh you know yeah, plus,
1: You know, I've noticed in the there. coverage,
0: like you have to kind of, among other things, I hate
1: to say this, but a lot of the coverage, you're better off going to a British one than an American one, because there are some, let's go with uh, just yeah. some translation problems, some people not yeah. 100% understanding, for example, um, when people walk behind the hearse, it was done a specific way, no one was being dissed, no one right. was being, um, and unless you understand why, you know, you might interpret it wrongly, <laughs> you know. So.
0: Or, um, you know, uh, one of the American commentators, Americanized her comment by saying it's sexist that, uh, why why is Anne the only woman walking behind the casket?
1: Yeah, like that, exactly. In for the record, Anne is Philip's
0: oldest and only daughter. Yeah. That's why she's walking right behind the casket. She they also walk. did for her grandmother's funeral, the, the queen mother's funeral, Also, she's probably the only one in that whole family that doesn't wear stilettos to everything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They walked in order of birth order, not precedence, which is why it's Charles and then Anne. And then, you know, you had to get to grandkids. You had to go back a bit. Um, Yeah. and
0: You know, it gets you can say, well, it wasn't done this way at Diana's or it wasn't. Don't worry about it, y'all. Don't worry about it. And, you
1: know, again, Philip wanted to, like, he was involved in the planning of his funeral. It happened the way that he wanted it to be. And I think he probably got a little, you know, because all the falderall of the state, the 800 person state funeral had to be stripped away. It ended up a lot more reflecting that. Um, He even talked about wanting, you know, blood of his blood relatives at the funeral. So it's really his family and some, you know, extended family and friends.
0: Um, I think let's do a dashboard 30,000 vote looking down Windsor castle of course was where this occurred many of you probably most recently uh, I mean younger people will know St. George's Chapel from recent royal weddings um, as opposed to Westminster Abbey or St. Paul's Cathedral let's say that uh, Windsor Castle is their country of uh, uh, residence um, one of several but the main one and of uh, St. George's Chapel is a part of the Windsor Castle complex. It was uh, it was started under Henry IV, I believe. Um, and he and Elizabeth Woodville, I think I've got that right, are buried there. They were the first royals to be buried in that chapel. And what it's become over before that, it was always Westminster Abbey where, where royals were buried. And then he built this chapel. And it's become, at least for this, the modern royal family, their family church so the smaller or more minor royal weddings will occur there intimate funerals will happen there the royals as we know them as modern in the past several hundred years are buried there or or at frogmore one of one of the places there for queen victoria and albert are buried there uh, not in the church but at frogmore where they built a mausoleum anyway it's all part of the the windsor castle complex and let's just say that this is a family funeral at a family church just like the weddings have been recently even if they're large as opposed to a state occasion at St Paul's or uh, Westminster Abbey.
1: Yeah. So the the um you've probably seen the uh procession to the chapel. You know, if you've seen pictures of it, you've seen the procession to the chapel. Um, you know that uh Philip was brought out. Uh, his coffin was loaded into a Land Rover. Um and then taken to St. George's Cast uh Chapel. Um that there was uh members of all the different branches of the military there to reflect the many, many military titles positions he'd held. Yeah. Um just a note I was gonna tell you about the Land Rover. The reason a Land Rover is um, number one, he was A big fan, loved Land Rovers. He drove around in them. He actually drove the Obamas around in uh, the Land Rover when they uh, visited. (laughs) Uh, He apparently, when they were planning his funeral, he joked that, you know, just stick me in the back of a Land Rover and drive me to Windsor.
0: He literally meant it. We
1: didn't know. So (laughs) that's actually what he got. Uh, He picked out a Land Rover Defender. and this is like 18 years ago he designed it uh, to his specifications, um, including the color, the um, dark bronze green, the military color, nice. uh, which is supposed to be a nod, you know, to his military background. And Land Rover has maintained it at their factory uh, since they built it and then renovated again in 2019 so it's just kind of been waiting uh but yeah he loved driving around he had to stop driving after he was in an accident uh a few years ago at sandringham um in 2019 but you know he got to take his last final trip in a land rover that he designed which i thought was (sighs) pardon my lack of gravitas i thought it was really cool (laughs) I was really going to say, cool. it, was really, it was really flipping cool. Um,
0: any, anyway. He anyway had such a love of engineering. He was a true renaissance man in many ways. He was a painter. He loved dabbling in engineering. He said famously um, that anything God didn't uh, create an engineer did. He uh, might have been quoting someone else who said that, but I always love that quote. If God didn't create it, an engineer did. <laughs> That is a good one. And his Um, love of country life was very important to him. So you know, it was it was part of his soul, like the military. Let's see. Then they
1: process, and um, they did you see the thing about the ponies?
0: Yes, yes, yes. About that, if you'd like me to. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, roll, baby. Um, well, he we're just talking about his love of country life when uh, and there was a carriage. Uh, racing kind of carriage or country ride kind of carriage, not like the Brooklyn ones, or not Brooklyn, New York ones you'd see at, at Central Park. These are like, you know, carriages meant to move. And uh, so he took up carriage driving in his 50s as uh, just wanting to do something new with himself, because he's like that, like I say, he's a Renaissance man. And he just became really devoted to it and loved to ride people around at all their estates in his carriage and he would like keep that dude to cruise so behind behind the Land Rover there was also his his carriage it was his special carriage that he loved and on it was you'll, you kind of traditionally wear a lap blanket of wool or something like that his gloves and his hat um, he raced competitively in his carriage as well and there are two fell ponies beautiful black ponies um, that that were there with him, uh, car- leading his carriage, kind of like you'd see in these beautiful images of people's funerals where their dogs will walk behind or or something like that. These were he was very devoted to these two ponies, and he also taught his uh, granddaughter, Lady Louise, uh, who's 17, the daughter of Prince Edward. I'll I'll bring her up again later, to carriage drive, and she's competitive now, and so she has inherited this carriage. Yeah,
1: he left you left the carriage and the ponies. The yeah. moral and Nut Lost Storm. Yeah, <laughs> these are the ponies to Louise. So that was that was a nice. I, th- I thought the pony the ponies really
0: got me. <laughs> I know they were, it's just like they're like you you your heart anthropomorphizes and you're like they're lonely and sad that he's gone. You know.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. you know, anytime you do that sort of empty carriage, empty saddle thing, yeah. it's um. You know, symbolic,
0: that is some heavy, that is some heartbreaking symbolism, man. You know, it always is. I, and there were things that hearken back also to their traditional military funerals, but Kennedy's funeral in uh, 1963. And just when you see procession behind them, I will note that the Duke of Edinburgh was in that procession and was probably duly influenced by it. And uh, so you think of a person who's seen a lot of uh, things happen. He's seen all of these things happen, and he he was there, I think, on behalf of the queen. And in 1963, and he wa- he walked behind, just shoulder to shoulder with everybody else astride. And so behind him, you know, you have your sons and daughter, your grandsons, and then three of his uh, personal aides or valets, uh, who have been with him for many many years, who were devoted to him, were also walking behind. And what another interesting thing is, say. The women of the family, and the queen especially, were taken to the entrance, the, the queen has her own entrance at that chapel, but they left as a family. Prince Charles nodded uh, to not everybody not get back in the car, and they did an impromptu walk as a family back up the hill to the castle.
1: Yes. That's, um, that's
0: later. That's later. <laughs> okay,
1: so so they, they processed. they had a, a moment where they stopped.
0: Oh my um, gosh,
1: yeah. To, uh, before going into the chapel. Um, I believe that's the same moment where there's just a moment of silence across the entire country.
0: Um, they had the naval whistlers, the fife.
1: Yeah, they played the the still, which, alas, I do not know yeah. enough about the kind of... Yeah, it gives me
0: the shivers, yeah.
1: Um, and then there was the... Oh, I guess it should I should point out, then they went in and the ceremony, the funeral was... Uh, ceremony was presided over by the dean of windsor and the archbishop of canterbury um there's we talked about the music all being picked um by philip uh, a lot of his favorites i guess should mention that uh, buckingham palace basically conf- talked about uh revealed that one of the songs was picked as a sort of nod to diana um
0: Oh, the Air in the
1: County Dairy? Was it that one? Uh, Ros- Roche, uh, it's Rosa uh, uh, R- Welsh names. I'm not good. Rosimedra, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't I'm not good with Welsh names. It's, it's something like Rosimedra. Um, that was played uh, at the Princess of Wales funeral. Um, it was also played at uh, the weddings of William and Henry Harry. Oh. So Um, he also, a lot of the other hymns were, um, hymns that are tend to be, as you know, Philip was a naval officer or that was his biggest identification was with the Navy. So there were a lot of naval, uh, kind of hymns, um, like Eternal Father, Strong to Save. There was a lot of, there was a lot of
0: those, uh, the- We cry for thee, for those in peril on the sea. That was also at Kennedy's funeral. Because he was naval. Oh, because he was naval. That's right. Um,
1: he, the they're not supposed. They weren't supposed to sing. The rules for funerals in the UK right now, harsh. Um, I know. I know a lot of people. I think one of the things that made this especially difficult of moving was uh, over this past year. You know, a lot of people have lost someone, and yeah. the rules for funerals are sh- strict. I won't say everywhere, but most places. And so, you know, you probably know someone who's had to have a reduced funeral or memorial service, or maybe they have to postpone it so that, you know, they can have a memorial service. And so here we're seeing, you know, a memorial service that's held under these same really constrictive rules. So they weren't allowed to sing. The congregation wasn't. So all the singing is done by this other, you know, I'm going to stop saying socially distanced because I loathe the term now. Yeah. <laughs> this other group, like, let's just call it the small group of singers
0: in a different part of the church. Yeah.
1: Yeah, in the different part of the church sang all the hymns um,
0: So that, for safety. And yes, the queen sat alone. Um, but she showed in that moment that she was one of her people suffering with them for all those who have had to have very family alone this year grieve alone it was very symbolic to see her behind her mask with her head lowered alone because yeah. so many people have gone through that too you know they were married in 1947 they were
1: together for 73 years um it's wow. possible she kind of wanted to be alone <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I I would want to be alone. Um,
0: Prince Andrew was. There were a couple pictures where you can see where he was three seats down from her, and then other times where he was moved. But I think about the time uh, toward the end of the funeral, he wanted to be close to her in case she needed him. So he was a few seats away, but it wasn't really captured on film that much.
1: Yeah, and I think you know, (laughs) it's said that she was sitting by herself due to COVID restrictions. Now she did. I I think you know that's not untrue. But, you know, she did drive over with her lady-in-waiting. Um, and that's the bubble, yeah. Yeah, so I think that to some extent, sitting alone was a decision. Yeah. Um, you know, and all, I, I can't imagine that she couldn't have had her lady-in-waiting sitting with her if she so chose. Yeah. But I think it was a decision. It was to reflect um, her grief. And also, you know, she is aware that she's the queen.
0: And in her and, service, just like his yeah. service. Our service sacrifice, you know.
1: Okay, so she obviously is all black. She was wearing the Richmond brooch. Um, yeah, uh, you're you're the brooch expert, but I did look it up in case you don't no, have it. Okay, <laughs> so the Richmond brooch. It actually it's symbolic. It Brooches from 90% of the time, a brooch she's wearing is going to be symbolic. Uh, this particular brooch, she's worn it a few times, um, including to Prince Harry's wedding. It originally belonged to her grandmother, Queen Mary, uh, present in 1893 to uh, the queen from the town of Richmond, where they her family would have been living for two decades. Uh, Mary reportedly wore the brooch during her honeymoon. Um,
0: oh, I the think Isle I like the brooch one. that she called Granny's Chips.
1: that's pretty great (laughs) so yeah so it's basically it has a a romantic association
0: Mm.
1: and that's the uh that's the brooch she was wearing um since it was talked about endlessly i think we we have to mention that nobody the family wore black um but not uniforms um This was said to have been a decision um, handed down by the Queen or the royal household or the Chamberlain or whoever hands down the decisions. But when that's said, it usually means ultimately the Queen made the decision. And the reason being to keep it from being a little awkward um, because Harry and Andrew... It was very accommodating of her. Yes, it was. Because the problem being that if people wore their uniforms, which you would expect given Philip's... Uh, background that means that Harry and Andrew would have been the odd men out people with a like strong association to the military who can't currently wear uniforms um not allowed Andrew's situation being let's just say in flux <laughs> let's just
0: see if this clarifies that they know what happened the, the, you know what I mean there is no there's very little gray area left with Andrew now about this
1: so, Andrew, has been, uh, Andrew was supposed to become an admiral, and that was put off, and he is been relieved of his uh, royal duties and his exact, like, what kind of uniform he could wear kind of thing is not clear. So, Andrew would not have been able to wear a uniform, and Harry would not have been able to wear his uniform, despite, you know, Andrew served in the Falklands, Harry served in Afghanistan, um... But they would, neither of them would have been able to wear a uniform, whereas William and Charles would. So everyone just wore – they wore decorations, but they wore – all their medals. Yeah, but they wore suits. Um, and that was reportedly a decision from the Queen um, for, to kind of keep – I guess keep the attention off the problems and where it should be.
0: Exactly. I think it was a wise move um... – Speaking of medals, let's talk about some of the medals that <laughs> they had on the altar. They had all of uh Philip's medals up on the in the front of the church for all of his various um uh it was amazing. And I'm just trying to say he it was amazing how many he had. Uh and that they were instead of flowers, what were all around the altar? Laid on pillows and such. Um I want to find the titles for you.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. They did have, they, they read, that was probably the most formal moment of it, as they read all his titles. Um, and there were all sorts of little, um, oh, gosh, what do you call them? These little pictures and such all around, um, and medals and all these things recognizing, you know, recognizing Philip.
0: Yeah, did you so find the titles? Really- you know from all of his active service to honoraria were, were displayed and on the top of his casket was his standard also I think this is very reflective of um, his standard is was really neat it had uh, he was a prince of Denmark and Greece at birth and so his standard reflected that if you saw the blue and white stripes. Um, that was for the Greek flag. The castles for the Edin- for Edinburgh, and uh, the black and white stripes for Mountbatten crest. And then the lion of England, I think, was the other in that that quadrant. Um, so we won't, you know, get into like how how was the homily, how was this, how was that. Yeah. Everybody sat apart. Um, they were very respectful about not panning in on anyone's faces. But I remarked telling my husband we were watching it and how elegant everybody, of course, looked in their black. It's always very interesting to see what people choose. But I, beautiful Kate came in with her mask on, and I said, if you had to ask me two years ago to look at this picture with her in a mask going into a funeral, I'd be asking you, what in the hell is this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what in the hell is going on that the royal family together in private can't wear are wearing masks, what on earth happened? Um, but again, that was it. I I, I think that uh, we'll, we'll finish up the funeral and then, and then I want to make a few more remarks about the family members um, with you. Um, let's talk about the end of the funeral as it concluded. Uh, this was a very dramatic moment, very dramatic even though it was a silent and reverent moment. Um, it was read, all of his titles were read, which were many. And as this began, um, the casket began to lower by motor, although it was extraordinarily subtle. And on British TV, you saw like the first three seconds of it, and then it panned to a piper. It was doing a Scottish bagpipe lament, which, I mean, if you've got a soul.
1: You oh, I know, thinking, even like you yes.
0: thinking about, I mean, there's something about bagpipes. You know, they either make me want to, they stir me to want to like go like tear you down. Either a charge wall. a hill or <laughs> yeah, exactly. just want to sit down and cry. <laughs> yeah, I think I did. I wanted to do a little bit of both. Um, the lone bagpiper played a lament and retreated. At this time, the casket began lowering into the royal vault. Uh, while they played this, it was lowered, as I said, into the royal vault, which we brought up before in one of our podcasts about a uh, death in the royal family. And I'll talk about it again in a minute. Uh, No cameras were on the family at that moment, understandably and respectfully. Uh, He will rest in the Royal vault with about 24 other uh, Royals, some foreign, but mostly British, um, some foreign born, but British. Uh, And then they will be interred. He'll be interred along with the queen after she dies. So even in death, he's three steps behind her. Oh, so he he doesn't get to go in first. I believe, and I believe that they'll be buried with her parents, King George VI, Elizabeth, and the ashes of her sister, which is in a separate chapel at at that church at, at St George's. Yeah,
1: that, that's what I've seen. Is that they'll be in the George VI Chapel as well.
0: Uh, just see, a, there's lots of room on that. On just that.
1: another note yeah. on the coffin as it went down, just to make this extra sad. <laughs> um, in. The Queen actually left a handwritten letter on the coffin no one knows what obviously no one can tell you what is in the contents it's private but she did actually sign it Lilibet which is her childhood nickname and he mm-hmm. is the last person alive well was the last person alive to call her by that nickname
0: oh. so I know it was her family. I you know the King George VI always called them us four and so it was a formidable feat for him to join that family uh, and to be in with them but he will be buried with the four when, when, when she passes, um, she kept in her purse and her handbag at this, I know, we're both crying, watching, like, <laughs> she had in her handbag, um, a picture of them on their honeymoon in Malta and one of his, uh, pocket handkerchief squares. Oh, wow. That's mm-hmm. sad. I know. Oh. Um, and, uh, so, I want to tell you a little bit about what happened then. So the, the buglers of the Royal Marines, once the retreat was done. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the um, bugling part was, I mean, bugles you don't think of as sad, but they, they can were, be
0: sad. Uh, well, Taps is sad. starts out, wah, 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 wah. So it's like, you know, one of these royal, you know, like fairy princess wedding sounds. Wah, 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 you know. And <laughs> then at the end, it, they sounded the last post, which he asked personally for it to be, which is like Taps for us. Right british version of taps um and then the choir ended this difficult and touching moment with God save the queen that's right um and, and then so the camera came back he was gone you didn't see any trace of him he was lowered into the floor because that vault is right directly below it and when you see it, royal weddings or things it's a big pla- um, a big i guess black marble plaque on top of that they just lift that up when they when they do these funerals
1: so the um and then afterwards, as she mentioned, the family walked out, walked back together. Well, m- most of them, the younger members of the family. Um, the uh, if you haven't seen it, um, there is a the the poet laureate whose name is Simon Armitage. There we are. Uh, wrote a poem honoring. Um, Philip, it's called The Patriarchs and Elegy. Um, It's on YouTube, uh, on the Royal Family's YouTube channel, uh, along with a montage of photos from his life. And it is, I mean, it's a poem by the Poet Laureate. It would be nice if, you know, I would love to have a poem by a Poet Laureate written about (laughs) me. Um, It's really interesting, though, because he talked about the poet, Armitage talked about the difficulty of working on this um, because it you know, he knew that the prince hated sycophancy. He didn't mm-hmm. want an elegy that was this, you know, big ask his thing. Yeah,
0: who <laughs> wouldn't want to be like Philip? Yeah, kind and of
1: thing. So, um, he, and he realized that, uh, in a sense, he is writing an elegy to... Britain's greatest, the greatest generation, or at least, you know, Britain's greatest generation. Um, and, you know, in a way, you can see how Philip really symbolizes that. Um, he's talked about as old-fashioned, and, you know, when whenever you hear some story, someone said something, you know, slightly rude and stuff, I mean, it's like, oh, it must have been Philip. <laughs> um, but then recognize that this is someone who, you know, he's a member of the greatest generation, devoted his life to service, and, you know... Spent his entire life like promoting his wife, taking a second, se- willingly taking a second seat to his wife, which is a lot more feminist than pretty much like most guys can handle. No offense, guys, yeah. but it's true.
0: <laughs> um, and and so, for he was a man's man too. I mean, you know, he was yeah. Yeah. And so
1: the, the poem I, I recommend, it's really great. When he talks, um, it's got some lines. He calls, uh, Philip, the talking of elegizing Philip, but also talking about this generation. They were sons of a Zodiac out of sync with the solar year, which is referring to, um, the fact that Philip was a Prince of Greece and Denmark and was born just before Greece switched to this, uh, Gregorian calendar in 1921. Um, He's husbands to duty, they unrolled their plans get across billiard tables and vehicle bonnets. Regrouped at breakfast, it is very much a an homage not just to Philip but to an entire generation and the sacrifice and duty of an entire generation. Yeah. And it's lovely is not the right word. It's it's stirring is what it is, and it's it is an elegy. Um, so it is very intentionally about Philip, but also about a generation. And about service. Uh, anyway, um, this is this is Armageddon's first royal occasion for writing a laureate poem, so um, it was kind of a big deal for him too. <laughs> I talked about how hard it was to work on, um, but uh, it's it's really neat. So that's on YouTube, by the way. Uh, the Patriarchs' and Elegy. Uh, definitely check it out. It's very it's it's good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I would recommend if you want to go into YouTube, you know, pour a glass of wine or some tea and watch it in chunks. Watch these different sections in chunks and try to think about some of the details we've been talking about while you watch them, because there's more than meets the eye than what was just on the camera. There's a lot of symbolism throughout the funeral that you miss if you're just watching it in one streak while it was happening live. Yeah. So post-funeral, I mean, I guess it needs to, you know, there's been
1: an enormous amount of speculation. Um, I've seen speculation: Will the Queen um, step back from royal? You know, will, I do not think the Queen is going to abdicate. I don't think, no matter how why many articles you write that about now? it, yeah. I know she will abdicate. I think she's grieving. She reportedly kind of went out the day after the funeral went out by herself, and I think her dogs <laughs> to uh, get some alone time. But why would she abdicate? It's possible that she could appoint a Charles as a regent. Um, that's, that's certainly permissible. Yeah, but all
0: I can think about is Hugh Laurie. <laughs> 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 but, yeah. but she, uh, she's
1: not going to abdicate. Why would she abdicate now? Like you said, um, I the believe others... they
0: probably take a lot of ceremonial things for her. If she asks him to, he already has started doing that.
1: Yeah. They've already, she's already stepped back significantly from Royal duties and that's been farmed out a little bit. Um, We know that Charles has indicated that when he takes the throne, he'll be kind of cutting back the number of active royals doing duties. So that's... um,
0: And that that started before Harry married Meghan, that they were going to cut back who were the working royals and how much they were paid. I think that, that before Harry got married, there was a big question about that for Beatrice and Eugenie. Uh, and what yes, their role is going to So now that you know Harry left and like, well, we were gonna do that anyway. <laughs> you know, we're going take it personally. I thought you were gonna help Harry. I mean, William. So
1: exactly. This was his and arguably one of the reasons that William is upset or with Harry would be because if they're cutting back then Harry no longer being and working royal means that that work has to go to someone else. It does throw the burden more on William. Um, And I think
0: it also brought the, the York sisters back into the fold more.
1: Yes, yes. So you know those things would need to be worked out, and they will. You know, there's been a lot of speculation about. I mean, just tea leaf reading. I don't. I don't know what else you could call it. Like the rift. Is it okay? What's going to happen? What is Harry doing? What is William doing? Is it all okay? They talk to each other. Like
0: funeral, y'all.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's my be, take. Like, sit
0: down with a mediator on the walk on the way home.
1: This in thing. Front or- of the town. I think if we know anything, it's that this family is well-bred enough to not throw a hissy fit during Grandpa's funeral.
0: What was he going to do? Like, you know, start banging the wood in the funeral? You know, i like, damn it. You know, I could have been a contender or something like that.
1: So, yes, of course, they talked civilly on the way back from the funeral. What the heck did you think was going to happen? And thank
0: you, Kate, for the optics. Help Thank you for being a helper. See, like Mr. Rogers said, Kate was a helper. <laughs> that's things. true and also i want to put up two unsung hero alerts this week one is to the duchess of york ferdy uh who had lives it at, at, at the windsor complex with andrew which is a whole episode unto itself as i always say and you know um, i have to I, just one second i have to interrupt there because
1: I have so many questions about that. We, I think, we do have to do an episode on that. I, <laughs> I mean, that's my husband's theory on why Andrew may not have been as bad as some people assume, because yes. he still lives with his ex-wife happily, and apparently. And also,
0: like <laughs> Queen adores Andrew. We, we, we can't we can't get into what he did or didn't do because we just don't know the facts. But one um, one of the big reasons they split up is because of the scandal with the toe sucking. You you think all this shit is new? Same yeah, as it ever true. was <laughs> what the head said. Same as it ever Same was. It ever it was. was. The, the Queen and Fergie have been close always. It was, it, it, Prince, i sorry, Prince felt he just couldn't deal with it anymore. So he washed his hands of her. And so he just she was never invited to things he was at. So that's why you know she she probably wouldn't have been at the funeral anyway. But she lives at Windsor, and all of last week during the morning she had been accompanying the Queen to walk the dogs in the morning and talk to her and pay her support. So she was been with the Queen every day walking the dogs or most days, and she watched uh, Eugenie's baby August while they were at the funeral. So there's one unsung hero award. The second is the Countess of Wessex, Sophie who has, has done, she reminds me a lot of Princess Anne now at this time in her life. You know, we all grow, the past is dead. She, she grows as a person and in her role as a working royal. And she brought her daughter, Lady Louise, who was very close to Philip, out to greet and thank staff throughout the week. And to really play a public facing role of gratitude for the warmth that had been showed to the family. Um, And so I want to give an unsung hero award also to the Countess of Wessex, and she will be taking a lot of uh, role. I know that there's a Rhoda to visit the Queen and also coordinate um, appearances on behalf of the Queen with uh, Kate, Sophie, um, Camilla and uh, the Princess Royal Anne. So that everyone's doing what they can for her, both in moral support and being there. So even if you don't see people, they're there. The also, people are like you know Megan was watching from home. I would like to to talk about the lovely wreath that she she sent to Philip for the for the funeral. Uh, each family cluster gave their own um, wreath to him that would probably go down to the crypt with him. The one that we all saw was one on top of his his casket from his wife, uh, the queen, and that had uh, things, beautiful white lilies and white sweet peas and green spray, things that you'd expect very tasteful, but that was the most intimate one. So that was on the top, but the rest were laid to the side in the choir during the service and will probably be below. And uh, they were all white and green, a very beautiful, beautiful, just exquisite. Yeah, I'm a flower person, just exquisite sprays. I had to go drill in and see what was in all of them. But I would like to talk about what was in Megan's and the touching gesture that she gave. I don't know, a lot of you may or may not know that Megan worked as a calligrapher as one of her side gigs when she was coming up in Hollywood. She would do people's wedding uh, invitations for them. And she loves calligraphy, so she wrote a very beautiful handwritten note. The contents of which are private, but you can—they were in her hand, in her pen that she did with an ink, uh, with a fountain pen. And then let me tell you what was in her wreath because it's wonderful. It was created by the florist who did their wedding flowers, which were wonderful. Willow Crossley is the name of the florist. She the. They had very specific things they asked for. It looked different from the other ones. Like I said, the rest of them were like white and green and hers had a little purple, a little this, a little that. Um, Acanthus mollus bears britches, the national flower of Greece to represent Philip's heritage. Euryngium sea holly to represent the Royal Marines. The wreath also featured campanula to represent gratitude and everlasting love. Rosemary to signify remembrance. Lavender for devotion and roses in honor of June being Prince Philip's birth month. I thought that was really nice, although I'm probably the only person who noticed other things. I think that
1: is really you know, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> You're the only person, like, I don't even
1: know how to say that. And if my life depended on it, I couldn't identify it. I'm not sure I'd pick it out as a flower and not like, a, <laughs> you know, some kind of illness related to the throat or some kind of like itchy thing that happens on your foot. So you, you would, don't want that. Yeah, you want
0: to get.
1: Like, get, I would have gone, but yeah, I have that. this orygium today. So <laughs> I could, thought i put some lotion on it, but <laughs>
0: Anyway, uh, the, the, the the scuttle is that she had been talking to the Queen and Philip by uh, Skype with Harry throughout his illness and before that, so we don't know those details. They're private, but so, she did send her own personal and, I think, very touching wreaths to to have in the ceremony.
1: Yeah, there there has been a lot of, um, uh, for, for lack of a better word, a lot of speculation about you know who is talking to who and who wrote who a letter and is this going yeah. to be worked out and are they really in communication uh Charles is like laying down the law no Charles wa- it's William who's upset Charles is trying to reconcile no Harry wrote Char- like I don't know everyone it was very upsetting for everyone like yeah. deeply legitimately. um so instead I'm going to talk about Tom Jones <laughs> so... <laughs> Let me explain. Um, So one of the things that I've noticed is that when uh, a celebrity or public figure dies, um, people react in different ways. But certain characters and people, and it's sometimes very surprising, like this happened with DMX of all people the other day. Like when they pass away, what happens is that you start hearing the stories of people who met them or interactions with them. And it tells you so. It just tells you a lot. It either reinforces what you thought, or um, you know, tells you about a side of them that you didn't know. You know, often it's the charitable things they do, and so on and so forth. Um, so, Tom Jones, yes, the singer. It's not a. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not British. If I was, I'd be like he's or Welsh. He's a national treasure. <laughs>
0: Humperdinck and Tom Jones are national treasures. But Tom uh, Jones
1: is, for real, man. Went and t- explained in a radio interview. Okay, so reportedly, way back in the day, long time ago, Prince Philip was... W- it was said that Prince Philip was outed. I don't know. He was He was caught. He said that Tom Jones sounds like he gargled with pebbles. So Tom, you know, and this is like, oh my goodness, how could he say that? That pebble, he so... Well, Tom Jones did a radio interview, and he says that Philip actually met with him. You know, he never talked about it before, but he, he met Philip, who kind of apologized and explained. And what had happened, Philip explained to Mr. Jones, was that Philip was at a small businessman's meeting, and... He says, Philip said, you know, they were moaning about not being subsidized by the government enough for their businesses. And so he, Philip says, I know. So I used you, Tom Joes, as an example. Yeah. And he said, look, if a son of a Welsh coal miner from Pontypridd in South Wales can come to London, make a success of himself, what are a lot of you grumbling about? You know, that man's voice is so powerful, I'm sure he must gargle with pebbles. So so Philip sought Tom Jones out and told him it was actually a compliment. Although to me, the best part of it is the part where he does it to set a bunch of small businessmen straight about
0: government. (laughs) Context, everyone, context. Oh um, case I can only imagine what he said about Rod Stewart.
1: <laughs> he says what we all said about Rod Stewart, which is, gosh, he really likes blondes. <laughs> he
0: is a type. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I don't really know that. Please don't quote the attribute that to love <laughs> But I think don't we've worry. all noticed that. <laughs> um, but I did I like I like about Philip is that he would say these things the one member of the uk monarchy who would talk off the cuff say things that seemed somewhat if not actually rude at least kind of
0: right. unexpected his man is his is, is shared soul she's cut from him you know it's it's awesome that she's so direct and also terrifying when you're in the in the is he gonna ask a question and i don't know if it's a joke or not you know yes. <laughs> am i in trouble so thank yeah. you, Philip, for not being boring. <laughs> he was never being boring, as the Pet Shop Boy is saying. Um, in the process of doing this, as we wrap up, um, I wanted to note that his mother was born at Windsor Castle. And, um, you know, Sheila, we could, you know, there are many, many, many biographies of Philip we could talk about in different ways and different angles, but he was, his mother and him and their their really tragic past he was tied to windsor from from his infancy and um his mother actually rested in the same crypt where he is now until she was moved to jerusalem and i think the late 1980s in the course of doing the research for this show um i actually got a a topic for our next show or another show which is about an ethiopian prince another foreign-born prince who ended up living at windsor and dying there and apparently there is a big uh effort to repatriate him he was during queen victoria's era and i would like to get more into the story but i don't want to detract from what we're talking about yeah
1: that's a, it is an interesting story but um yeah, Philip's mother was Prince Alice of Battenberg, and she did get her own episode of The Crown, if you remember. She's a great-granddaughter of Queen Victoria. We saw a lot of Philip's uncle, Lord Mountbatten, who you may recall was uh, killed by an IRA bomb in the 1970s. Um, incidentally, following Philip's death, the Sinfane kind of, sort of, a little bit apologized for the murder of Lord Mountbatten.
0: And but- children. That, that was
1: on the boat and the grid yeah and the children um but not in any way that you would feel really like it was a good apology so let's move on from that yeah well, they're, they're back yeah uh, um uh, alice alice was a uh she was a she was a nun wasn't she for a while um she,
0: became she, she had a, a she was deaf but uh, she was she yeah was she married Prince of Greece, Prince Andrew. Of Greece. Yeah, that's
1: right. She founded a nursing order of nuns, the Christian mm-hmm. Sisters of Martha and Mary. Um, and yes, she she did uh, just like in the show. She did end up moving back to Buckingham Palace after they took her out of Greece in the '60s.
0: Reason being, they uh, so she she is a young woman, young mother. Um, she had schizophrenia and had uh, men- mental challenges, was ill. She was actually treated by Sigmund Freud uh, in, in part of her uh, psychoanalysis. Um, and then she ended up not being present in his life because of her illness as he grew up, but then they reunited later. Um, but again, after the Tsar and his family in Russia were killed and after World War One, the Bolshevik Revolution, they were very... Keen to get the Greek and Danish royal family out of there before they were deposed, yeah. so and she did, she was
1: that. she did shelter Jewish refugees um, mm-hmm. during the Second World War while she was in Athens. Um, she's recognized for that. Um, yeah, Philip's family is in itself a interesting story. Sure. You know that there's Lord Mountbatten. Lord Mountbatten
0: was a badass. <laughs> <laughs> Philip was a badass. <laughs> yes. yes. I would say that, that that we do not watch the, the Crown to Learn Our History, but I'd say if you want to get rough edges about his history, watching The Crown that focuses on Philip's upbringing will be fascinating and also bring you to tears, and it's not far from the truth.
1: Yeah, they they did actually, you know, if they embroidered, you know, emotional reactions and that kind of conversations, the actual facts, you know, the actual details are, are mm-hmm. on point, so...
0: And people also especially around Diana's funeral and the pop culture that we know now of things that are going on um vilify him and make him seem stern and horrible and it's not the truth it's it, he is different he was different i mean but, if you
1: look at it from his perspective as someone who basically sacrifices everything for duty who takes a mm-hmm. second role in a, in his entire you know his entire life takes the second role to support you know his wife and the sovereign you can see why you know, you he can lost see why everything. he did not have his yeah. childhood is traumatic in the way that only, like very few people's are. Um, you can see why he would not be the person to go to for sympathy.
0: For yeah, like service for his salvation and going to military school saved, saved me. I'll say, well, he should have cried more. You know, fuck you. You know, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, you know, he, he was a boy alone in the world. And going to those schools in the particular way they taught him, in his view, which is all that matters, helped him. Not so much Charles, but that's a separate story. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, sometimes sometimes fathers and sons, man, that's a
0: whole separate thing. <laughs> I was watching some, just a little bit of coverage with Anderson Cooper. And he was saying, you know, Anderson Cooper was a pretty cool young journalist, even when he was in high school. I remember seeing him on TV 101, which I was involved with as a high school editor. Anyway, he ended up going to like, he wanted to go to Gordonston. He was very wealthy. He could, which is where Prince Philip and Charles went. And he said this during the service. He's like, I applied to go to Gordonston. And then I went over to see it and I realized they would have killed me. I went to Bosnia instead to cover it as a young journalist. <laughs> they would have murdered me. I would not have made it. Uh, I don't know. I think
1: I should send my son to Gordon stuff
0: I think I'm, I think I know which son you're talking about.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm glad he doesn't listen to this. <laughs>
0: Well, there's much to talk about, and much much I learned in the in the course of the research. Now I really want to go with you, Malia, to, to Windsor and see St. George's and all the chapels. Uh, yes, a field trip,
1: expensive, expensive <laughs> field trip.
0: <laughs> well, we'll talk about that later, because <laughs> I still have those vouchers from the trip we couldn't take last year.
1: Eventually, we shall travel again, and we look forward to doing this on location sometime. We might
0: have to take a paddle boat to get there, but we've got vouchers, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> In ten years, there are vouchers <laughs> vouchers will be used but uh, until next time and I think next time maybe we will uh, at least one of the two stories we can do is I want to talk about Ethiopian princes buried at Windsor yeah <laughs> I think
1: next time we'll be able to come back to you with some um, more history uh, I think this will probably be the last of the British oriented news for a while one hopes
0: <laughs> We all because, more
1: news. yeah because all the news from there lately has not been happy news so if there's news let's hope it's happy news yeah, yeah let's hope
0: it's really happy news and that the baby comes and everybody's cool and they come back for the diana thing in the summer and there's nice things to talk about but then we'll have to snark on uh, uh we'll the find something. from this year. Yeah. Year. we're on it yeah. <laughs> Your intrepid reporters are on it. So until next time, I'm Anne. And I'm Malia. And we are the Royal Subjects. Ciao. Ciao.